you today? Good, good. As Carrie said, who's starting school tomorrow? Like, you're not a parent starting school unless you're a teacher. Just a little noise if you are starting school tomorrow. I'm looking at you, youth, not paying attention to what I'm saying right now. Yeah. Are you, who's starting school tomorrow? Just give a shout. All right, the rest of us, back to the grind, what we've been doing all summer. Amen. All right. Man, summer flew by. It's a tradition in our family that uh, our kids get new shoes at the beginning of the school year, not because we're rich, but because they're growing rapidly. Um, Last Saturday night, I took my son Joseph uh, sneaker shopping at Marshall's to get last year's sneakers at amazing prices. Um, Can I get an amen? Everyone knows what we're talking about. But when I got to Marshall's, I noticed that Joseph was wearing sandals without socks. You know what that means? He had to wear the courtesy sock. You know what I'm talking about, the courtesy sock, the most unhelpful invention on all of human history. Those super thin nylon pantyhose type things that have zero resemblance to actual socks. Like you get that, right? Like were those made in someone's basement in Uzbekistan? Like I think someone made those with a line of pantyhose and a paper cutter. Like no one is trying with those socks. So Joseph is trying to put on new shoes, his feet. Last year he was a seven and a half. This year he was like a nine. And so Joseph keeps trying to put on his shoes and his feet smell like a locker room and they're sweaty. And he has those thin nylon socks on and we tried on lots of different shoes at Marshall's. And we only bought one pair. So here's a little public service announcement. You should probably not buy men's size nine shoes at Marshall's and Royersford because those have been tried on before. Aren't feet disgusting? I mean, his feet went into four different pairs of shoes, and I'm like, feet are gross. And some of you are like, no, my feet are nice. No, they're not. You think they are. Maybe your husband said, oh, you have really nice feet. Just trying to score some points, not the truth. Like, no one's feet are that nice. You got a pedicure, you paid someone 40 bucks, and you put some polish on there, but that doesn't eliminate the gross, right? Like, it's still there. Reality is real. Feet are nasty. And listen, most of us think of feet, and we're like, hey, like if I asked all of us to take off our shoes and socks and enjoy the rest of the service, half of you would leave, and the other half would be like, I'm just trying to be faithful, Joe. All right? We think feet are gross, and we live in a world with socks, abundant footwear, pedicures, toenail clippers, and showers. But do you know that Jesus lived in a day where you could only wear sandals, and you had to walk everywhere, and the roads weren't paved, and animals were freely roaming about on all the roads you were walking on doing their business indiscriminately. Yeah, not awesome. And you were surrounded by dirt, and it was hot, out, hot outside. And that just exponentially raises the gross factor. Now you're no longer letting anyone in your house. Like maybe you have people over your house, and they walk in the door, and you're like, hey, we're going to need you to take your shoes off. Why? Because your, your shoes are gross because you've been walking around outside. But you can't ask people to take their feet off, can you? Because they're just like the gross is just on there. Feet are gross. And you're like, why are we talking about this? Because this is the introduction to my sermon about smelly feet. (laughs) Jesus gives an amazing illustration. And it wasn't just an illustration like a story. He actually did this of what it really means to love and what it really means to serve. And it involves some pretty nasty feet. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. It was just before the Passover feast. 
Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. So whatever Jesus is going to do next, he's doing it because he loves his disciples. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now we're going to skip a little section of uh, this story. Jesus is going to be washing the disciples' feet, and then he's going to have a conversation with Peter. You can read that later. We're not going to cover that this morning. We'll pick it back up in verse 12 when Jesus says these words. When he had finished washing their feet, he had put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asked this question. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things... You will be blessed if you do the same. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I pray for these next few moments together that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that I would only speak what you want me to say today. Let your word shape us into the people of God you've called us to be. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. Convict us, comfort us, and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Jesus' day, with all these stinky feet... You would go into someone's house. There would usually be a servant who would wash your feet. Washing feet was the lowliest and maybe even most humiliating humiliating task you could be required to do. In my studies this week, I read that some Jews wouldn't allow a fellow Jew to wash their feet, only a Gentile servant because it was too demeaning. And yet, here is Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Why? Because Jesus is a servant. Jesus is showing his disciples in the most shocking and practical way imaginable that he came to serve. This was a clear and repeated theme in Jesus' life. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2.5-7 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. But Jesus being a servant is not just to to wow us or impress us. Jesus' life of servanthood is supposed to move us to action. He says this explicitly after he washes the disciples' feet, John 13 Verses 13 through 14, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Do you know that Jesus served to show his followers how to serve? Uh, So 
I just am cutting the grass for the first time. I was, you may have heard that I got a new house. And so in my old house, we didn't have a lawn. In our new house, we have a lawn. And so I have to cut the grass. And the first time, it took me two hours and uh, 45 minutes. That was amazing. And the second time, I got it down to two hours. So I started training Joseph how to cut the grass. Now, he can't, he's, uh, he's never cut the grass before, so he's learning. But here's the thing. When I'm showing Joseph how to cut the grass, I'm not doing it so that he just knows it and he can walk away and go play PlayStation. I show Joseph how to cut the grass, not to wow him with my landscaping abilities, which are tremendous. I do that to show him so that in the future, he can cut the grass all by himself and I can get like four hours of my week back. You know what I'm saying? Like when we show people how to do something, we expect them to what? Do it. It's not just to show off, it's so that they learn. You and I, are supposed to learn from Jesus' washing feet, not to be impressed, but to do. Jesus said this in verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So when we read this story, Jesus is setting an example, and so it leads to this question, what example did Jesus set for us in serving? What is his example? Like, you're like, well, he washed feet, right, but let's get into this and kind of figure out what is the example Jesus is setting for us. There's four things. The first is this. Jesus got up to get down. Jesus got up to get down. Some of you are like, that's a line from a Coolio song. Please ignore it. This is my sermon point, all right? Jesus got up to get down. Catch this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus is the most powerful person in the world. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So what did Jesus do next? If you're the most powerful person in the world and everything is under your authority, what do you do next? Verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and went on to wash feet. Isn't this amazing? What do the most powerful people in the world almost never do? Serve. They certainly do the jobs that no one else wants to do. They certainly don't do the jobs no one else wants to do. And if powerful people serve, let's be real, it's usually for a photo op. Their power and their affluence has meant they can pay other people to do the dirty work. But John is telling us that Jesus knew he was the most powerful being in the entire universe, and what he chose to do in that moment was strip down to his undergarments and wash feet. Jesus contradicts the ordinary standards of this world, and he serves. From his high standing, he goes low. Jesus is setting the example for us that you and I will never outgrow servanthood. Maybe you saw Carrie this morning setting up a chair and you're like, not doing it. Other people can do that. We will never outgrow servanthood. To serve like Jesus means the death of pride, ego, and self-importance. To serve like Jesus is to recognize that nothing he asks us to do is below us. To serve like Jesus means to adopt his mindset that you are on the planet to serve. Like Jesus, all we do must be done to lift other people up, 
not lording ourselves over others, not trying to make other people feel like we're superior to them, but Jesus shows us that a servant gets as low as possible to raise up those around them. Jesus is showing us that in God's kingdom, the way up is down. A lot of us are wondering how high we can climb professionally and socially. Jesus is asking, are we willing to go low for his sake? Here's the second thing. What example is Jesus setting? Jesus got down in spite of tomorrow. Verse one is so easy to miss. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. My favorite thing about this passage is this. In the moment when Jesus should be most concerned with himself, he serves. He washed feet on the eve of his crucifixion. If today was the last day of your life, what would you do today? How would you spend it? Where would you run to? Who would you call? What does Jesus do on the last day of his earthly life? He washes feet. Think about that. As the agony and the suffering and the excruciating pain of the cross was looming, as Jesus was getting ready to bear the sin of the whole world, he noticed that his disciples' feet were dirty. He was tuned in to the needs of those around him when he had every right to throw himself a world-class pity party. To serve like Jesus means that we need to experience the miracle of self-forgetfulness. We need to experience the miracle of self-forgetfulness. Self-absorption and self-actualization as a goal is the primary enemy of humble servanthood. Sometimes when we serve, we do it with a poor attitude and we do it with wrong motives. Sometimes when we're serving, we spend our time reminding ourselves that we are awesome servants. Sometimes we serve to get noticed. Sometimes we want people to recognize us. And sometimes we just want affirmation. But Jesus models what faithfulness and perseverance looks like. It means to serve and love others when life is hard and convenient and costly. To serve like Jesus means to serve for the good of those we are serving. Here's the third thing. Jesus got down for the undeserving. Notice this verse. The evening meal was being served And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. As we imagine Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, John is intent on not letting us forget that Judas is in the room. Jesus spent three years ministering, or excuse me, Judas spent three years ministering with Jesus among the twelve, not because Jesus had a, uh, he was bad at judging character, but because scripture must be fulfilled. There was to be a traitor at Jesus' table. This is the plan God designed in eternity. And John 6, 64 tells us that Jesus knew all along that Judas was going to betray him. And Jesus washes his feet anyway. 
and Judas still betrayed him. Being a servant like Jesus means loving people and serving them regardless of their response to our servanthood. We usually serve people who can return the favor. We usually serve people who feel we are, that are worthy of our services. We usually serve people who appreciate our gifts. But Jesus washed Judas' feet knowing he was about to sell him out and betray him for 30 pieces of silver. It would be wonderful if everyone you served deeply appreciated it. I deeply appreciate the servants at this church. There are weeks when I walk into this room and I see people serving Jesus faithfully, continually, repeatedly. People who have been serving Jesus for over a decade at Spring Valley Community Church or over the last five years or faithfully over the last year. And I am just blown away that God has given this church so many awesome servants. We have so many of them. The staff and ourselves at our staff meeting, you can ask Andrew, you can ask Carrie, you can ask Tyler. When we're meeting, we are often celebrating how faithful God has been to this church to give us amazing servants, and we are not talking about ourselves. We're talking about you. So I just want you to know this morning that it is a pleasure and an honor and a joy to minister with you. But not everyone appreciates your ministry. In God's kingdom, we serve with no strings attached and with no guarantee that those we serve will show us gratitude and thanks. And it's okay. It's okay if we don't get a thank you or a word of affirmation because we don't serve for thank yous. We serve for Jesus. We serve because Jesus served us first. So when Jesus gets down to wash Judas' feet, he's setting an example that a life of servanthood means we should expect to be unappreciated and even betrayed and trampled on at times by those we serve. Here's the last thing, number four. Jesus promised that getting down will lift us up. Jesus promised that getting down, getting down in humble service will lift you up. Verse 17 says this, Jesus makes this promise. Now that you know these things, what do we know at this point? We know how to serve. We know how to serve. We know that we got to get down and wash feet. We know that even though we don't have to, Jesus didn't have to, but he did. We know that we serve no matter what we're facing. And we know that we serve the undeserving, those who won't appreciate us. And Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you listen to the sermon about it. Now, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What does the word blessed mean? It means glad, happy, joyful. Jesus is saying that if you follow my example, you will find the soul-satisfying happiness and joy you are so desperately seeking. Some of you are, some, are just in a very unhappy place this morning. Some of you have no joy and you have no satisfaction. Life is drudgery and you're bored with life and you're always playing the victim in your mind. Jesus says, do you want to be happy? Do you want to experience joy and blessing? 
get low and serve. You will find the deepest joy in life, not when people are serving you, but rather when you serve others. The people who are most satisfied with their lives are those who have devoted themselves to serving God and others. So uh, don't raise your hand if you played the Powerball this week. It's church. No need to be honest. But you know there's a Powerball this week, right? $700 million jackpot. $756 million jackpot. And if you take it in one lump sum, $443 million. One woman from Massachusetts who we're trying to recruit. No, just kidding. One woman from Massachusetts won $443 million. Here's what I know about money. We daydream about it. We fantasize about it. We tend to build our dreams around what we would do if we had more because many of us believe that is where the happiness is. Many of us believe that is where the joy is. $443 million. Do you know what she said? Direct quote, I'm not going back to work. Wow, that's amazing. You know what else she said? I'm going to take it easy. That is not the goal of life. That is not what we're called to. Vacations are wonderful. Sabbath rest, I hope you rest today. Wonderful. Going 1,000 miles an hour and burning out, not God's will for your life. But you have not been called to easy. I have not been called to easy. Men, in the room, eyes up here. You have not been called to easy. Stop looking for the easy way. Do you know that men consistently resist the idea that life is hard? And we keep trying to find our way to the easier road. We want to win the Powerball. So nothing will stand in the way of our ease. But I'm here to tell you this morning, we serve a Savior who said, Happiness is found on the floor with a bucket of water next to you and stinky feet in your face and washing away dirt and cleansing and and being the kind of person who heals, who restores, who blesses, who serves, who gives their life away. I want to challenge you this morning. I know I'm 35 and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. Retirement is not the goal. It's wonderful to stop getting your paycheck from somewhere. But it is never God's will for your life to coast and to live a responsibility-free existence. How do I know that? Because Jesus came who had all power and all authority. 
who was surrounded with honor and glory and luxury on a throne in heaven. And he got low to serve. So do you want to be happy? I realized that when I was preparing this sermon, I could have titled it, The Secret to Happiness. Because the secret to happiness, according to Jesus, is to give your life away for him. Jesus is not calling us to get down and wash feet because the Christian life is boring and drudgery and joyless. Jesus says, do what I do because he is ferociously after your joy. So no matter how talented you are, how much power you have, how beautiful you are, how rich you are, what your title is, what your GPA is, how many degrees you have, live life as a servant of Jesus Christ. Listen to Jesus and trust Jesus and go deeper and more tenaciously after giving your life away and expect to be blessed with joy because the joy is found in the serving. The joy is found in the serving. Some of you are like, oh, I've served. There's no joy there because you're not doing it for the right reasons. Let me just be real. When there's no joy in the serving, the motives aren't right. See, when there's no joy in the serving, we're, we're waiting for someone to tell us we're awesome. We're wanting to get noticed, but, but Jesus says the joy comes in just washing feet for him. Do you know that so many of my mornings on Sunday, I just wrestle with all kinds of physical issues and I won't go into details. But I wake up every morning on Sunday, my eyes open when I'm preaching, and I feel disgusting. And I often think about not getting out of bed and calling in sick. But I'm not sick, I'm just nervous. And you know what I have to do to coach myself through those moments when I want to quit because I don't feel good and I'd rather run away because sometimes this is hard? I plead for the peace and the joy of Christ. And when you don't want to serve, and when it's difficult, and when it's hard, like when it's really difficult to serve your spouse because they don't deserve it, do it for Jesus. And when you're working for a boss who treats you like dirt, serve for Jesus. Do all things to the glory of God. I want to close with this thought. Serving is a do thing. Some messages we listen to and we're like, all right, I needed to know about that. But this is not a message that you needed to know. This is a message that you need to do something with. Where is God calling you to serve? Where is God calling you to be a greater servant in your home? Where is God calling you to be a greater servant in your community? 
Where is God calling you to be a greater servant at your workplace and in your neighborhood? Where is God calling you to be a greater servant in this church? Serving is a do thing. How do I know that? Because of what Jesus did for us. He served for you and for me. He didn't just talk about dying on a Roman cross for our sins. He went there and he did it and he served us. So I want to ask you this morning, will you live life as a servant? For those of us who serve faithfully in this church, you are a tremendous blessing to the people of God here. One thing that's amazing about John 13 is that Jesus specifically tells his disciples that they're supposed to wash one another's feet. The church is not the only place we're called to serve, but it is where we start serving. See, Jesus says you're going to wash James and John and Matthew. You're going to wash each other's feet. Spring Valley Community Church, if you're going to be a servant, you're going to serve one another. And so I want to ask you, are you serving the people of God at Spring Valley Community Church? There are some opportunities to serve at Spring Valley. They're on the back of your orange card. Look at them if you're not serving. If you're already serving, don't sign up for any more. If you're already serving all the time, that's fine. But if you know that Jesus is calling you to serve, I invite you to serve this morning. If there's another area you don't see on the back of the orange card, you can let us know about it. But serving is a do thing. And it's not just what we do here on Sunday mornings. It's a lifestyle. So let's be servants. Let's be servants because Jesus served us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning that You've washed our feet so many times. Lord, I'm thankful for the people in my own life who are just humble and faithful servants. Lord, I count it a privilege to be surrounded by great servants at Spring Valley Community Church, on our staff, in my family and in my extended family. And Lord, I know that all of us, if we really thought about it, we realize we are who we are today because people served us. And Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people who would really be about our own happiness because we know, Jesus, that you tell us that blessing is found in washing feet. Help us to take you at your word. Help us to pour our lives out and give our lives away. Lord, may the goal of our life not be comfort. May it be faithfulness to Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. Be with us through the rest of our day and week. Help us to have the mindset of a servant. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Before you leave this morning, I wanna tell you two things. I always wanna tell you two things. Number one, in just a moment, we're gonna have some people who will be up across the front here who are wanting to pray with you. If you have a need this morning, no matter what it looks like, join us up front and let us minister to you and pray with you. And number two, on your way out today, 
would you drop your orange cards in the bucket? Next week, we start a brand new series called Stretched, and we're going to be talking over the next, uh, through the month of September, about what it really means to be a person of bold and courageous faith. I believe God wants to stretch you in your faith. Join us in September for that. God bless you as you go. Take care.